Hey guys, this is Jonah. Thank you for checking out the Bomb Pod. It really means the most to me. Trying to get this off the ground has been some hard work, but thank you for listening and thank you for helping me try to get it done. I really, really appreciate you. Now, if you want to contribute to us, very simple on anchor.com, you're allowed to contribute to us. Give us some kudos. Give us some bling bling, if you know what I mean. Finally, we've made it to every, mostly every podcast uh, distributor. So Spotify counts. Apple Podcasts, you name it, Google Podcasts, we're there. So big shout out to everybody and all the support. I want to give a shout out to everybody who's listened, every guest that I've had. And if you want to be a guest on our show, of course you can. Just hit me up and we can work it out. We can chop it out. At the end of the day, the Bomb Pod wants to know what you're about and wants to know what's the best about you. So without further ado, let's get kicking to my next guest. You guys already know what to do. The Bomb Pond, baby, hosted by Joda. Let's go, boys. GG, boys. Let's go. All right, guys. New episode of The Bomb Pod, and we have a special guest. But first, before we get into all that, into the meat and the potatoes of today, we want to thank Anchor for hosting us. Shout out to Anchor. We love you. And you can catch us on every platform now, thanks to Anchor, including Apple, Spotify, Google, everywhere else. Thank you for the support. We really appreciate you. Let's stop wasting your time. My guest today, all right, a little bit left field. I'm happy to have him here. And we have a lot to talk about because I've never been able to ask him this. Let's see. Hopefully, he's a he's ready to contribute. He's a very quiet guy. John Mullen, how you doing today? <laughs> here we are. Yo, man. My man. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, I, I want to, uh, first of all, thank you for buying that guitar off me. How's it playing? Is it? I hope it's, it, you're loving it. Yo, man, I'm going to tell you something. Oh, no. I, when, I, when I first plugged it in, I was, I was expecting a, lo- like a, a loud, and I, I was worried because I was just tuning up the, the tube amp, you know, yeah. the, the uh, what do I have, a, a Bogner. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I love my, I love it, man. It's it's great, and I, it's great when I when I plug it in, I get that it's it's got a the the fretboard itself. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! All right. You you were telling me about the way that that the neck feels. The and compound radius of the of the fretboard. I'll tell you, man. I had to adapt a little bit to the to the strumming yeah. with the the straightness of it because it's ivory. You said right, it's the mm-hmm. ivory fretboard. Yeah. Oh man. I use a Gibson typically, mm-hmm. and it has a different feel. And then I also have a, a Yamaha, which is more like a Stratocaster yeah. kind of a feel. Yeah. But when I when I played the Flying V, that first jam, man, the the crunch I get, I already have. It's like you said when we were here in the first day. You said it's got a mojo to it. Yeah. I already I already wrote a, a couple new licks and a couple new new funky Solid. like vibes. Yeah, yeah. It's already it's already flowing. It's 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 great, man. Thanks for asking, bro. I love that guitar. Dude, I miss it so much. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I've been playing with it. It's been a toy, man. I've, I've used it in a bunch of photos and things like that. I Shit. took it with me to the beach, man. I love that it's guitar, a looker, man. Too. It's, it's my. It, it's already like I, I. I decided, you know, I was. I was gonna call it Ivory. Mm-hmm. That's the name of that guitar. Oh, you know, there's nothing better than a sexy guitar because when guitars are great, and you mentioned Gibson because well, Gibson's a different scale and compared to the to Jacksons, right? Yeah. But when yeah. you get yourself a sexy guitar, it's hard to put that thing down. No, no, it it becomes a part of you. You yeah. you, you hold it close. I, you know, one of the things that I learned when I was uh, first starting out, and I have a, a few instruments now. Naming your instruments, I I, I learned from a recording of BB King that he said. You never name an instrument not a, a woman's name because you you have to hold her close. It's like a woman, and so when he was talking about 
naming his guitar, which was, uh, I believe, Roseanne. It's no. either Roxanne or Roseanne, one or the other. No, wait, Lucille. Was it Lucille? Yeah, it's B.B. King, right? Yeah, man. Lucille, like you, Lucille. It's 100% Lucille because that's how I'm live in concert. You see, like, if I had to phone a friend for who wants to be a millionaire, <laughs> Let's go. that would be me right there. I'd be like, phone JP. I'm, I'm a nerd when it comes to the, the most useless information. Perfect. Yeah, because our yeah. audience is going to be like, well, we didn't care did, what the name was. Did you ever do a trivia crack? Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> good point. My, uh, my girlfriend one time oh, yeah? invited me to her friend's house, and her friend according to her, was good at trivia games. Okay. I was raised on VH1, right? If you grew up in the early 2000s and you caught I Love the 80s, the 90s, and the 70s, I caught every version. So pop culture for me, not an issue. We started playing, like, like guess this song games. She didn't even compete. Like, (laughs) trust me. That's too funny, man. Mm -mm. I I have a... I love a... A, a lot of like the random like scientific facts, history facts. Uh, one of my favorite things is Jeopardy. Do you ever watch Jeopardy? Of course. Shout out to Alex Trebek. My old bruh. He's <laughs> a Canadian old dude, but he's the dude. Yeah, man. I, I watch all that stuff, man. I, I love trivia. But I, I guess I was slipping on Lucille, man. He caught me. Caught me Let slipping. Let me, uh, um, yeah, back on, on, the, on the music stuff. I totally forgot that I don't name my guitars. I'm a piece of shit. Hey. Uh, but if I were to name my guitars... I think I would just name them 1950s, like, women names. Yeah. Uh, this is Peggy Sue. Peggy Sue? This is Myrtle. She's from the <laughs> South? This 50s from the South now. It ain't just 50s. It's the yeah. South. Myrtle? Yeah, the, te- the Telecaster you Myrtle Petty, in your life? Peggy Sue. Um, no. <laughs> I've never met anybody named Myrtle. No. <laughs> Sounds like she could live out in Myrtle Beach. Myrtle. John, when did... <laughs> when did... Um, I've been dying to talk to you because you... We jammed um, maybe a couple years ago at the studio you were at. Yeah, man. And usually with me, I am a very quiet musician. Like, you'll know that I do music if we engage long enough. But I've always seen that you've always been very, very, like, I showcase my art and I showcase what I do. And when I got to hang out with you that day and, like, see you play, like, it's always nice that everyone has a different approach. So the question is, what got you into it? What got you into the guitar? What got you into the music game? (sighs) Well, you know, it, it's a calling. I, uh, I started playing the classical piano probably when I was around five because mm-hmm. my mom's doctor in music. She's old school, man. She's from Cuba. A doctor in music? Yeah. She's, she was literally teaching like classes out of my house. We have two pianos at the house. Mm-hmm. And it was like essentially a conservatory going on. She had probably 50, 60 students. Oh, so you've always been in this. Since, like, a child. Yeah. And so, like, in my house, there was always music in the air. I was always listening, and I was always I was always on to something. If I wasn't listening to music, I was playing it, you know? That's but, weird. My uh, my experience is the kind of counterculture. My parents aren't into anything music. And I was, like, the rebellious child by wanting to play an instrument. Really? Yeah. Wow. So I, I feel that all shifts your approach because it was never like I fought to get my first guitar. Like I fought for it, you know, and I, I don't know what it feels like to just be supported in that term of music where you pick it up and it's not like shouldn't you get a job or shouldn't you do this? Like you were like encouraged. Well, I'll give you the real truth. OK, so because because it sounds real great, you know, when I start off like that, but <laughs> I uh I'll uh, tell you, man, there's a lot of com- competition in music, uh, especially when you start young, because yeah. 
there's always somebody working harder than you. There's always, there's always somebody who's better than you as well. And so one thing I had to learn working towards a goal, like as a musician, from just when I, when I started reading music, I guess, I, I turned a page. I'll tell you, because with my ear, I was, okay, in order to tell you that story, I have to tell you this story. Oh, wait, wait, Johnny, Johnny, pause, 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 pause. Yeah, going, it sounds like we're going in deep. Yeah, man. All right, so we're going into the genesis of your music love right now, just to clarify. Well, actually, I was going to tell you how I overcame an adversity that led me into my music, which is... Holy shit, okay. Because the truth is, I grew up listening to so much music that I would wing it by ear Mm -hmm. from a young age. And my mom, being an old school piano professor, she would always get on me and she'd be like you have to read you have to read you mm-hmm. can't be you can't just be playing by ear you can't be playing by ear it yeah. used it got to the point where it would escalate and i mean you know as a kid six seven years old i would run from the instrument i would run from the piano i wouldn't i wouldn't want to play even though i had to play concerts and things like that because every year that would come through i would practice i would have to do my thing of course mm-hmm. now listen It got to a point after my father passed away when I was like 10 years old that I didn't even want to look at the keys. I didn't want to touch the the keys. I would run up to the piano in my living room. I would put my hands just on the the keys. You know, I would just... (laughs) And I would... I wish people could see that moment because I feel you. So... I ran, man. All of a sudden, it didn't... It wasn't fun. It was literally work for you it was like like there was a fear i had a fear to approach the instrument because i couldn't play from the heart Mm -hmm. if i if i had to run from the piano i couldn't i couldn't make my my true art i had to read Mm -hmm. and so i decided not to play at all probably until i discovered scott joplin ragtime music when i was about 15 Hold up. Okay, you. this is super crazy. So, ragtime music is got... Can you describe to, to the listener what ragtime music is? That, I'm, I'm, I'm astonished right now. So, like, Scott Joplin it was the foremost composer of ragtime music. Yeah. He was the turn of the uh, 1880s, like, 1900s. He was a, a great, great American composer, a black guy in New Orleans. He was amazing. That He, he wrote plenty of, of great hits like The Entertainer, Maple Leaf Rag, uh, Gladiolus Rag, The Magnetic Rag. And so when I, when I stumbled upon this, driving down to the Keys... Uh, one, one weekend for mm-hmm. a, a camping trip, we would camp out sometimes. I'm I'm a nature guy, you know. I'm a conservationist, an Eagle Scout, you know. I, I do Damn, all that really? stuff. Yeah, man. I'm, wow. So, I pushed myself, man, and and I was listening to it on the, one of those long drives where you just yeah. you can't escape the, uh, you can't escape it. And I came back to the piano, wanting it, with a desire for it, like I'd never had in my life, man. And I guess that was the beginning of my, my, my love of music, again, from, from having been imposed, I guess, as a child, to truly desiring, you know, to try and be something, to, to make something, but not just that, to interpret something. Well, I'm, I'm flabbergasted at what you've told me, so I want to take a break. 
And <laughs> and when we when we come back, we'll we'll hit up on more music stuff, man. But I'm I'm blown away. This has been the Bob Pod, John Molin with Joda. We'll be right back. Gonna have to write these down because are, are you just you? We'll, we'll, we're gonna we're we're on John now. We're gonna we're, we're exchanging, but we're back. We took a little vibe break. It was fun. And Actually, probably a longer vibe break. A longer than we vibe should've. break than we expected. Yeah. Um, but we both discovered that we love foreign music. Yeah, that's non-English strange. speaking music. All day. Now, John, introduce me to that band, um, the Korean band that you were talking about. They're, they're Japanese, actually. Oh, shit, I already suck. It's all good. No, no. <laughs> Asian Kung Fu Generation, man. Yes. Oh, my God. So they... what, did, what would they do? They were so, what, well, what is it? The way I found out about them originally was because of Naruto, and they did the uh, original theme song. And I, I thought that was so cool. And so, like, I just said, what is, what is the story on these guys? And I found out they have maybe, like, eight studio albums. Yeah. I have been nerding i just i just listen to it all day i sing along with i don't speak japanese i don't know what the heck i'm singing i'm just it's like so good i love it i love it so much man is it is it considered like j-pop uh no no because it's rock it's more like a like i would feel like they're the red hot chili peppers of japan to me i don't know because i just i i want that for them if that's not the case then it should be the case japan if you're listening get the message (laughs) have you realized (laughs) that sometimes uh other bands from across the seas We'll take our, let's say the American quote-unquote music, and just make it so much better sometimes. Like, there is, um, well, like right now, like K-pop is huge. There's like that band, uh, what, BTS? BTS. I, and those, there's a... Uh, I'll give you an example. Red Hot Chili Peppers, yeah. when I saw them at the American Airlines Arena, they had a, a band of Asian girls that was their opener. It was like they were death metal, Asian. Baby metal? Baby metal. They're, Baby metal open for them? For Red Hot Chili Peppers. Fuck, I was too late. Oh. I would have gone to that show just to see Baby Metal. They were really cool. Really, really yeah. cool. It's a special feel, man. They they generate... And you know what, man? They they were getting us all into it, man. Like, bring out your phone. Yeah. I want to see the light. I was like so in love with them. I was like, they're heavy and they're metal and everything. And they filled the whole place. And like, I just, I enjoyed it. I right. caught on so late that... <laughs> Like once they, I, you know how I found out when they became a pop figure. I was like, "What's baby metal?" I'm like, "I like metal, and this looks like it's something." And I looked it up. And I'm like, "Oh, this is great!" Like, why did no one tell me? Right. And then you, the, I was in the auditorium, as as ashamed as yeah. I am right now. I was like, "Who the hell are these people?" Baby metal. What is this? Let me add this to my playlist for later. I did not know who they were, even as I was sitting in the Red Hot Chili Peppers concert. Yeah. There is a, I guess that's the whole point of an opening act, right? Like, so then you can look them up if they're good. Yeah. Like, we've seen, I've, I've become fans of bands that are amazing opening acts. Mm-hmm. There's sometimes that, like, I'll, like, I'm big on metal shows. And, like, if you see some metal tours, it's like the same bands over and over. Like, there's sometimes that I've seen, like, the same band, like, four or five times unintentionally. And then I become a fan of them just because they're always, like, tour support. You have to, you know what, like... It, Go to the concert on time because those yeah. artists are good artists, man. A lot of the time I catch an opener because I appreciate the fact that they're that they're working out there, sweating, putting their music out. It's it might not be as mainstream, it might not be as as conventional, but I, I swear, man, I saw this band at the Fillmore and they had like two, three opening bands. I was I was, you know, waiting and I believe it was Coheed and Cambria. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when when you see a band like Coheed they they know you're gonna be singing along to every every. Little... I have an amazing Coheed story plus oh. an amazing band story when you're done with this all Oof. at the same time. Oh, love that! 
man. I'm, I'm a huge Coheed fan, actually. And, like, I'm, I'm a huge, like, alternative music. Like, if it's progressive, if it's an alternative to what the mainstream conventional is, like, that's why I feel like when we were talking about international music or music with... With you, man, it's easy to get on a, on a tangent. I wanted right. to tell you, man. With music we, stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, Jesus, I, it's fun. I, the fact is that with those, I, the moral of the story is to show up to see the openers. Don't just show up for the main act. If you're going to go to a concert. And it's costing you, you're wasting money by not. Like, it's you, the same ticket. Like, you can't just buy a main band ticket. You got to see the support. See what they what they have because oftentimes you're missing out on gold. They're giving you their heart and soul. I'm telling you. Tell what me. was the what was your the tell me the time you saw a band when like that band was like about to blow up or like before they blew up Have just you, before yeah I've seen a couple of them in my day hmm man uh, I remember catching Ratata at the Revolution Fort Lauderdale mm-hmm. and coheated at Fort Lauderdale when I was like eighteen damn that was pretty cool i crowd surfed at the coheed concert that time that you're, was... you're, this is like yeah it's like that's like 0506 like yeah. yeah wait wait for uh for me to be yeah it was probably like yeah 2007 mm-hmm. 2008 there was um so the i'm ashamed by this because i like coheed but i i was um i went to global gathering uh and like so we've seen a lot of bands, but the main band everybody wanted to see was like Event Sevenfold. It was like oh. it was like right with Backcountry hit. You saw them before they yeah. blew up. Yeah, so we saw Backcountry, and but the, here's the thing: so I'm, we're watching Coheed is the band before them, hmm. right? And all of a sudden, like it's like eight thirty. We've been here since like noon. Through a lot of bands, Shine Down, Killswitch Engage. Nice. Oh, heavy bands. stuff. Heavy yeah, shit. you feel it. Um. That they decided, Kohi decided to go on the jam, and I passed out. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> we were, like, all the way in the front. And I'm just like, I, dude, I just want this set to end. And I'm not anti-Kohi, but no. it was just like, why is it so long? And I can't tired. even. <sighs> and everybody in the crowd is just there, like, we want to see Backcountry. Well, yeah. And so, whatever, Kohi finished. Uh, I liked their set, and then... Event Sevenfold played and, and like it was ridiculous and so check where I fucked up. Uh oh. Um, I was we were so worn out. Okay. From that show. I mean, it sounds like it was a heavy yeah. like it was in- engaging who, for you sure. You want to know who the closing act was? Nine Inch Nails. And <sighs> I didn't see them because I was like so fucking tired. You couldn't. Obviously, even... instant regret. How did they? How did they <laughs> expect you to survive? <laughs> I was. We were. We were banded out. We saw so many great acts. Um, Man, I, and you didn't make it to Nine Inch. But the thing is that Nine Inch is like legendary. I know. Unbelievable. But I was like seventeen, and I was just like, I can't. I saw Bad Country. And I, I was feel like, you. I was worn out. I feel you. Um, did you ever go to Warp Tour? Ever do those those things? <sighs> Ultra Fest, I've been close to, mm-hmm. but I haven't been in, and I have never been to a Warp Tour, and I believe I've missed my chance. So I suppose yeah, that is no longer a thing. That Warp Tour was the best value in music. Like forty bucks, you see everybody. Damn. And chances are the, the Warp Tour you went to, this is how they get you. Like with like over fifty bands, you're bound to like five, hmm. and you'll go see those five. And that's how they would get me every fucking year. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, oh, like if there's I one band, I was I'll be like, nah. by ramen for a minute. Fueled by Ramen Lilo. I saw... Gym Class Heroes, Fall Out Boy, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. I saw Katy Perry at Warped Tour. Oh, there's okay. A few, there's a couple uh, few she must ones have been that pretty I saw. Fine, pretty fine. It did, no one knew it was going to be that big. 
Yeah. You know, we saw like, oh, it was like, I remember seeing it from a distance. I'm like watching her show. That's like, ah, Katy Perry. Right. Not knowing that it would, it would grow, but. <laughs> there she is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's as close as you'll yeah. ever get. Bing. Um, <laughs> I, I saw, re- that's the only time and place I've seen real big fish. What? Um, oh, that's, that's really cool. I, I love those jam bands. Man. Yeah, Have you seen Umphreys so cool. McGee? Have you heard of Umphreys? I've heard of them. I haven't seen them. Oh, I've seen them twice. One are, time. How are jam- Look, so good subject. I think Grateful Dead gives all jam bands a bad name. They're, you know they're an acquired taste. Yeah, eh? and, and and a lot of even though John Mayer is in them now, and I'm like I'm still like iffy. I'm like I don't want to alienate them for music. I just feel that I'm just like oh, it feels like so much burden. Because hmm. where do you start <laughs> with like how uh, fish fans are? Right, and right. They'll be like, no, they can't just give you the CD version. No, it's no, like, no. You gotta hear the the Tacoma Washington '92 version, bro. <laughs> That's the bit. Like, I'm just like, I can't invest in that. <laughs> You're right, though. You're right. I feel you. Like when it comes to like solidarity, when yeah. you're in the jam band, what it really is about is the joy of creating in the moment. Mm-hmm. And so it's more of a gratification for the artist. I think is more. How does it do it for the hot, for the viewer? Like. So, watching a jam band. What's the appeal knowing that it may never sound like it does on the record? To me, I the first time I was exposed to Umphreys, mm-hmm. I was at UM. It was a free show. I was like, hmm, well, might as well give it a try. Let's yeah. see what happens. I was blown away because the fact is that these guys are such high-level guys at this point. They're like throwing in Mozart licks. They're throwing in uh, Nirvana covers. And then they're playing stuff that you haven't heard before, mixes oh. of stuff. And so, like, you're you're going into this evolution. It's like a constant evolution if it's done properly. If it's mm-hmm. done right and the music is alive and the thread is alive and the, and the, the musicianship is of a certain mind. Yeah. I feel like with many great bands, like, it is, as much as, like, a, when you see a great band, there's, like, this... this uh, ESP or like this this psychic communication where it's almost like a group think and you get into this like feel where there's like a a magic in the air and electricity to the creation of the music and so when you're when you're in a in a jam band situation and they're really in the groove they're able to morph the whole environment in the whole the whole ambiance and i mean that's that's one of the the cool things about it being untethered by conventional uh, song structure, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, uh, that's that's something that you have to see live, that you have to see and to understand it or to, to be a part of it. And so there's people who like to get caught up in it, but then there's other people who just, you know, they go out to nerd out like me. Like, I, I'm always looking at the hands, man. I'm always, I'm, I'm that type of guy. It, I, would, I would think that, because, <laughs> um, you know, everywhere, we were talking about this uh, a couple podcasts ago where, you know, for a hundred dollar ticket, you can see Britney Spears in her prime or like a jam band. At the end of the day, both people who are extreme fans of each are going to be happy, but and but going to experience two separate shows hmm. that both are polar opposites of entertainment. They scratch different itches, bro. Yeah, they have different uh, markets and they have different different needs. You know, sometimes you go to a show and you want to be like a part of it. Like when I went to see Coldplay, for example. Oh my God, they're so good. You've seen the it's, it's 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 one of like Chris Martin. Yeah. Bless that man. Oh, absolutely. That man is a treasure. I, I wanna. Chris Martin holds one of the 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 three tokens of I wish I wrote that song for <laughs> Fix You. I we, wish I wrote Fix You. We Can love I you. have that? One? We love you, Chris. Thank lo- you, you so much. You've changed my life, man. Definitely. <sighs> 
And, and, and their show, ideally, is how I want to build my show when I, when I get out there and start performing and things of that nature. Like, you know, what, one of the cool things is that you're part of it in the sense because when you go in, they give you a wristband, mm-hmm. and the wristband's got a little light on yeah. it. Everybody lights up when the show starts, mm-hmm. and so you're alive with it. And that, to me, was an incredible revelation as to what a light show could, what it could mean. Because you're each, each of us is a light, you know. And, and I mean, I, I hate to sound like a snowflake, you know, yeah. millennial, you know, <laughs> 28 years old and whatever. But I'll tell you, man, like, we, we have our, our own spirits, man. And, and I'm so glad you brought me on today to, to talk with you. I feel that the interaction between audience and musician is one that's fairly taken advantage of. Um, and on the artist side, because there's a lot of times that I've been to shows where I'm just like, you know, you guys are doing this sleeping. And, and, and then there's times where you see an artist who fundamentally thinks this is the last show. Or that, like, mm. they need to prove themselves. Because sometimes you hear the best artists, and, and um, some of the best artists will say they're not even, they don't even think there's anyone in the audience. Wow. And you're like, you're in fucking cold. Yeah. <laughs> of course, there's people in the audience. They forget what day it was. <laughs> like, I don't even see anyone anymore. Yeah, uh, Chris, he said he talks about that on a, one of his interviews with Zane Lowe, and he's like, I just, I just had no confidence. No one was there. I'm like, and Zane Lowe's looking at him like, you like, you wrote the scientist. <laughs> you're like clocks. Like, there, absolutely, there's someone there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but. Uh- when they, when I saw them, he he did everything. He went out to the back row, played a song on the piano. He kissed a girl in the in the audience. Uh, I feel like it was right after LeBron and them had won the championship, mm-hmm. and he was like, "You all, the, the greatest basketball players on the planet, we're gonna play the best show we can for you." And at the end, it was like he was kissing, like he kissed the floor, or whatever. He left it all on the stage, kind of a performance. It's and that I'm, English like, yeah, so like. I don't I'm proud here. of you. <laughs> the English self-deprivation is like, are you sure it was okay? And we're like, of course. You're like, you're the fucking Beatles. And they're like, are you sure? Like, <laughs> I, I feel that that, co- that Coplay energy is different. And there's a lot of artists who necessarily have no interest in connecting that hard. Hmm. Whether it be for better or worse. I would say like, there's a band I, call, I saw called Death Grips that's for the better. I would say there's some bands who do it that's like, you for the worst, it leaves bad impressions in people's mouth. Yeah. When you think of live performance, because so when it comes to like perf- like performing the you know the art of music, what right. do you are you are you more entertainment? Are you more music based? Do you want pyro? Do you want a choir behind you? Oh like, my God. what are you thinking? So, so you want to know the funny thing is that I've had this discussion with a lot of my friends and a lot of people in the industry. And the, the truth is that a song, if it's a successful song, if it's a good song, you can sing a song with an acoustic guitar in your voice and it will win. Mm-hmm. However, what is the level that you want to deliver? And what's the level of your artistry? That's the, that's the question. Because for me, I want to I wanna kind of create an experience when I get out there. When I try and, and, and perform and do my thing, I want it to be something that people bring your girlfriend to. You know, the, the joke I have with my friends is, you know, the show that I'm going to make is you bring your girlfriend there to cry and that's it. All right. If you're not going there to cry with your girlfriend, it's not the show for you. I don't know. That's a, t- <laughs> that's a deep. What are you making, I'm just, man? Shit, man. I, I, I'm just writing love deep. songs, man. I'm just, I'm just joking with you. I'm playing around. <laughs> there is, um, I was, um. 
with my group, we're working on a, a set of songs. I guess this is the first time anyone hears this. So if you hear this, you get an inside scoop. Hey. So we're working on cover songs, right? Oh, cool. Um, and we're working on basically having like a vocal delivery. I feel mm. that there's a certain art to being the stadium act, right? right, right. And there's also a certain art of doing an unplugged room. Right. And the best bands could do both. Like Nirvana Unplugged is just as great as if you saw their live show with pure electricity. Yeah. I feel that that kind of diversity is something I would like in my craft where you don't want to be a one-trick pony. There's some mm-hmm. bands that, for whatever reason, in the styling they pick in their music, sometimes get pigeonholed. Like Slayer can't do an acoustic album. No. Yeah. <laughs> and and they, they may be okay with that. But like I just like, I'm like, I'm so multi-emotional. And multi-creative and one I like. I just can't get pigeonholed. I, I feel that. I feel that. I mean, your music is very diverse and eclectic, man. I mean, it's it goes a lot of places. And I feel like it lends itself to a theatrical kind of a feel. Like, almost like like film or, yeah. or video and things of that nature. That's my main... And, wow, that's the first time anyone's noticed that. Yeah, it's more thematic. It's not about the notes. It's about the show. Yeah. It's about the entire movie. I, I see it. I play... Like, I listen to your music and it plays in my mind like a film. And in my mind, like, I use my imagination, of course. But I mean, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, uh, I definitely enjoy it, man. I, and, and the fact is, you know, I, I've been trying to, to elaborate, you know, because collaborating with so many artists, you, you can find that you put in a penny in one jar and a penny in another and a penny in another. Yeah. And I fact I find myself like I'm, I'm in the studio more now than I am out live, and so Same, my <laughs> terrible with that shit. Yeah. So my uh, my goal uh, ideally would be like to be the breadcrumbs in a meatloaf, where I could have people coming up and doing their thing and just kind of being like in there in the mix. Mm-hmm. And maybe even having more artists as, like, the stage goes along. You know what I'm saying? The I, live kind of thing. I, you know what? And I was talking to my group mate, Vesper, about this shit today. I'm like, I'm jaded as fuck with working with people. How come? You know, okay, so you, you know I'm high expectations for everything. Okay. There, there, there's just some, there's just some, there's something frustrating about working with musicians when you can't even agree on a financial settlement. Like, at, at some point, you have to turn your music into business. Like, or else it doesn't work. Yeah, man. And there, there's been times that we were, we're trying to work with somebody, and they're not good at eloquating a price, nor mm. an art. And so, it, like, we just kind of have gotten salty. Because yeah. it's just like... Like, we don't want... There's no there's no drama here, because everyone's routes are so different that everybody can succeed. Yeah. It's more of just, like, how some people carry themselves here. Maybe Miami, whatever. Yo, I, I feel that. I feel that. And it's and it's a difficult environment to find uh, paying gigs, man. I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to front with you. Yeah. I would be paying I would be I would be playing more if people were paying more, of course, you know, that's how it is. We we do our thing for our for our benefit and yeah. our art is the the gratification of it, you know, the the fact that we express ourselves. If we're if we're happy with the process, mm-hmm. you always be happy, brother. But the fact is, if you push yourself and you and you make what you what you want ideally, it's mm-hmm. gonna be easier for you in the long run when the time comes and you have to execute in reality. We, which is why we live in the studio. You, I'm preaching to the choir. Uh, I already know. You see where I'm at. Yeah, yeah, I know where we at. I feel um, that. I feel that for <laughs> sure. Yeah, man. Um, there's a, you know, being paid is a thing that I have to forget about. Because we have to figure out how to get the income in other ways. We were talking about today what we're going to do with our vlogs. And, like, we have shirts that we have and stuff. Right. It's so bad 
to to the fact that you know you have to put up so much up front. But on the flip side, there's more opportunity now for a musician than ever. Because you can really activate a very cult following for whatever you do. There's a guy I watch on YouTube, uh, Curtis King. Shout out to Curtis King videos. I love it. Hmm. Um, Who says, if you can just get 100 fans and they spend $100 on you a year, you are sustainable. Economy of scale. Yeah, it's the economy of scale, my man. Yeah, man. If and we lose it, we sometimes think that you need some giant company to record record deal you in, and and it's not like that anymore. Absolutely it's, it's not. Better. No, no, it's so much easier to yeah. If you if you get a dollar from a million people, mm-hmm. that's all you need. Yeah, one dollar from a million different people, whatever it is, brother. However you want to slice the pie. I mean, another really you know great example of that is you know people who use their phones. If you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. it's it's just a gigantic scale of what people have and what people are willing to invest in what they think is important. In my mind, you know, I try and support local artists and I try and go out, but the fact is I I I live in the grind. And so to me, it's a process. I mm-hmm. just want to I just want to develop and I want to create. And and as long as I'm creating, I feel like fulfilled. So that's why I haven't put a, a tax on myself, like to say, like, oh, there's this certain deadline or this certain finish yeah. line of, like, oh, you know, I need to, I need to find this deal or I need to sign up with yeah. this record label or I need to do whatever. Because if if I have to negotiate the songwriting process because it has to be consumerized mm-hmm. or whatever, that that sacrifices the artistic element. And so I'll always I'll always do my best to maintain my independence as an artist and my and my autonomy in my creative process to to truly to truly tell the stories that I feel are the ones that come from my soul. I will always put great like thought into what I want to deliver and when it when it comes to it man there's there's so many ways to cut it now. There's no way to like what you said, man. Like to to pigeonhole yourself mm-hmm. because if you if you pigeonhole yourself now with the, with the just the synthesizer right here, this Akai, mm-hmm. this MPK, how many sounds can we generate just screwing around? You know what? It's way too many. That's the fun. That's and the fun part. But for fun. me, that's the worst part. I'm inverse. Oh my god! Because with so much options, breathes also a large amount of indecisiveness. Oh. Well, so you got to find the sauciest right? ones, man. You got to just dig around and I, sauce I don't, around. I don't go plug in hunting because, oh my, I, my, uh, my, my bandmate Q, he, first of all, he can build an app. So let's just start from there. So, Oof. so yeah. he's into that field. And for me, I just like, can I just get a good sound that works? Just one good sound. <laughs> I know you, man. I know you. You're, you're. Very precise. Uh, you have a great attention to it's, detail, um, man. It's 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 from like art is different for, and and, and the creation process is different. Like I for me, I, for me, I feel like I'm a victim of the creative process. Almost when I get an idea, fucking idea. When I get an idea, I'm just like, fuck, this sucks. It's like I, I'm like I can't just pull it out of my face and into logic. I have to shell this shit out and figure out which chords are making noise in my head. And it hurts. It's so frustrating. How funny. But it's so rewarding. Chopin said it was a more painful process getting it on paper than giving birth. Oof. Yeah. But you know what it is, man. It's it. I, I find a freestyling very easy, but I find writing lyrics very difficult. That's one of the things that's a bane of my existence is, is coming up with lyrics. I, I freestyle a lot, all the time. But when I really want the song to be done, 
and I got to sit there with the pen and the paper and I got to review. Oh, man. I have, I have something to show you then. I'll, we'll, take some, we'll take a break right now and uh, I'm going to talk to you about a writing idea in private. I do. All right, player. We're back. So we, we're going to stick with music all this pod because let's not deviate. Yeah, that's Deviating just... is bad today. Stay the course, man. Stay the course, man. Stay so, the course. What was the first live show you went to? Actually, it was Stadium Arcadium, the first rock and roll show that I ever saw. Yeah. S- Stadium Arcadium at the BB&T when I was 17. Was that with Snoop? Uh, No, it Damn. was Gnarls Barkley. They had a Narls tour Barkley. where they went on tour with Snoop. Yeah, yeah, that was one of those years they were out in California. I think it was, I don't even know, probably. Damn. I, yeah, yeah, but this was with John Frusciante. Mm-hmm. John Frusciante was, oh, man, as a Red Hot Chili Peppers guitarist, probably the best. And I'll tell you, they did a jam that I never forgot. At the end of the show, it was probably like 20, 30 minutes of just solid, like, they just were vibing. And I remember yeah. the bass was so deep, like, the freaking ground was shaking and everything. And I was hearing this stuff. I was like, this is the next stuff that's going to be on the radio. But I feel like Frusciante was just kind of at that point where maybe he just didn't want to go down the road anymore, you know? Like, that's... It's always been super interesting how he... I guess when Dave Navarro had to sit in the band, and then he came back, I, I and then he left again, and then they got a, a guitar player who kind of sounds like Kaufner, Josh, right? Josh Kaufner. Yeah, Klinghoffer. Klinghoffer. Yeah, Josh um, Klinghoffer. He's, he's he's pretty good. The thing is, he's been he's been in their band secretly for so long. He's, he's been the, he like, was the backstage guy. Yeah, he's well, he was playing bongos. He was playing backup guitar. He was doing his mm. thing, and so like they, it was a short walk for him to the spotlight. But the thing is, when I saw him the first time, it was for the "I'm with You" uh, album that came out, and I think they played also the BB and T and. Um, what was cool was that there was like the hits and you could tell like he was he was getting through the songs and he was going he was growing and the end you know where that iconic Frusciante jam that happened you know with the stadium arcadium i just remember at the end of the concert flea looking at chad and it was like one of those things where he was like oh if you could see my face right now, radio listeners, and then they shake their heads looking at each other, and they were like, nope, that's the end, because Klinghoffer was like kind of curled up in the corner. like He, was, he, he has this very uh, distorted kind of uh, soloing style, and it's, it's kind of a cool style, but it seemed very like one note in the beginning, but I've seen him later on, um, and he's really grown into the role. Like He's, he's incredible, and, and he's, he's like a little older than us. Like Figure it's stepping into those shoes. like uh, That's huge, Like the pressure. I find it so crazy that his gear is basically what Fushante uses. Oh. Like his the strats and, and the very low guitar. I'm just like, hmm. At first I was like put off that I'm like, well, you're very similar to the last guy. <laughs> but I guess you now that makes sense because he's had a relationship with the band for so, so yeah. long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's involved. He was involved, you know. I feel like they just, they, the love is there. You can feel the love even in the new music, you know. The new music's good stuff. I love all of this stuff, you know. I I, uh, I know there's there will be one listener for this that I rag on him for being a, a Chili Peppers fan all the time. <laughs> um, mainly because I feel he's not objective. <laughs> but also because I feel like whatever you choose as your, as your favorite band first, that just kind of gets all dibs. So I'm not gonna try to convince anybody how much I love Metallica, or do you should. You know who they are. Yo. All right, the discography's there. Man, and not just that. Like they're larger than life. 
you see them live and it's like an experience, you know, like what we were talking about, yeah. like Rammstein, you know, they make it a thing. You I'm saw a, them. I'm, what is it about the Chili Peppers? I I like um, Blue Sugar Sex Magic. I like Mother's Milk. Hmm. Yeah, All probably the weakest is, Really? All Mother's the alternative Milk? stuff going forward to me always felt very dry. Like... I'm obviously in the minority. Scar that. tissue... <laughs> Uh, other side can't stop. I mean, by the way, mm-hmm. I I love. By the way, in its entirety, if I'm honest, you know, yeah. like that that album to me, gosh. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Californication. I mean, it, I I'm a I'm a diehard guy though. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll do um, even the old stuff. You know, like Funky Monks and stuff like yeah. before. I I just I don't know, man. Maybe it's because. I'm an avid listener, and I, I devour music for what it is objectively. Like you say, you know, like if you're not an objective listener, you don't like a thing. Like I go back and listen to George Clinton, Funkadelic, yeah. you know. Like I, I just love funk. I love I love a stanky bass, you know. I could, I could just get down with it. I mean, I, I know that there's a lot of people who seek fidelity these days, and they seek like what what it is to, I don't know. Which I've never understood because mm-hmm. like you can't make a Beatles track sound better. Like, it is what it is, and people have accepted that. Right. But for right. some reason, this fidelity war of, like, the most high-res audio, when you look at vinyl, hmm. like, vinyl... Making a comeback, making a good money, too. True. It's probably one of the only ways to truly monetize if you're talking about... Like, download is nothing. Vinyl, you can actually see something. With, with vinyl, you get the... I feel vinyl is great for older records that were recorded to tape. Hmm. There's a certain certain authenticity about knowing that this was recorded in 1986, and the way it's on vinyl is very accurate. Yeah. But today you're having a lot of albums recorded digitally, yeah. so like then they end up on vinyl like that. That you can't go digital to analog like that. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. I know, right? Like, what is the magic? What is the sorcery behind putting music into vinyl? I don't know. I don't understand. But it, it has a lot to do with it staying analog the entire time. At least to me. I mean, I'm sure that the way it would have to be is that you would have to play the the vibe. Like, with, with the gramophone back in the old days, yeah. they would have to play the song in the room. And it would imprint into the vinyl. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if, if you just managed to play the song in a room with a vinyl grab, you know, maybe it'll be able to do it. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly the process, man. I, I'm sure that there's some type of way to turn it and convert it, but I, I just, I don't know, man. Like, I know that it's a big well, thing. Well, let, let me, um, let me simplify, right? Let's say, like, and I've seen this, like, the last, like, future album, we get it on vinyl. <laughs> you, you know damn well that, that, that album isn't going through any tape deck. Right. It's, it's on a hard drive. It's on a Mac. Right. And it's being uploaded. So I'm just like, so how do you put this on vinyl? How do you reverse engineer digital into, yeah, yeah. into that format? I, besides I giving you. somebody a flak file. Is it, just, is it superfluous? Is it like too much? I, I don't know, man. I, I think it's lying to the consumer. Yeah. Because let's say like when Led Zeppelin put on a record in the 70s, like they knew it was going to vinyl. So you, you play with the, the medium as you can. Right. There's There's got to be some type of like, you know, give and take. Because like... A lot of people feel like the sound that comes from the vinyl is the reason why they buy vinyl. Like, they're like, I enjoy the sound of, of hearing the way it comes out of a vinyl player. Yeah. As opposed to listening it through my headphones, through my iPhone. 
So, like, I feel like maybe it's not so much about, like, oh, the fact that I didn't record this analog. Like, maybe it's just because of the, the listener. The listener is more like, hey, you know what? Like, this is a new way to listen. It's a way that's more, like, engaging. Like, when you put on that vinyl record. Engaging bam. is the right word. I'm never going to knock anybody who wants to buy a vinyl support an artist. Yeah, right? Um, re- the last vinyl <laughs> I bought was NSYNC's uh, No Strings Attached. Oh, snap. Shout yeah, out to de- Urban Outfitters. Definitely never recorded in analog that age. No, it was <laughs> recorded in analog. That's why I wanted it so much. So, no way. Are you so serious? Urban Outfitters put out uh, Britney Spears' <laughs> Baby One More Time in that NSYNC album. Really? Dude, when you go on the Wikipedia pages, this thing was recorded to tape. This was the Mouseketeers United combo pack. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, well, the reason why I wanted it so much is because I'm like, wow, this is like the last time you can kind of have pure pop music without knowing a computer fuck with it. That's so true. Wow. So those, like Britney Spears' first album is all analog. That's intense. She had to do those vocals. Now we all know it's all coming through like the stage. But, like, back then in 99, 98, those were sung to tape. Yep. So having that on vinyl, which it wasn't printed on back then. Wow. It kind of, like, you can hear the the production. Max Martin literally does both of those albums. And you can literally hear just, like, okay, I know where, like, this is going. Like, it's yeah. so beautiful. Wow. To As, as songwriter-wise, like, people who like pop are going to like it, whatever. But, like, mm-hmm. I bought it as a songwriter. Right, right. So I can dissect not Man. necessarily so I can like I as as incriminating like as this sounds now I'm curious to listen to it with like those kinds of ears like I would I would actually probably go in Go in and go ham, man. We're going to have to Let have me, another uh, session we're gonna, day. We're going to end the podcast on this question alone. Because, Ooh. John, you've been amazing today, and I want to thank you. Sure, man. But we've given the listeners too much. But I want to go out on this for the next time. Right. Have you ever heard Britney Spears' isolated vocal tracks? Ooh. I Guys, can't... thank nope. you for listening to the Bomb Pod. <laughs> John and I have something to do right now. You can catch us on Anchor. You can catch us on Spotify, Apple, Podbean, Google Podcast. John, John last Matthew. word is yours. If you look me up. In. Yeah, man, John Matthew. That's me, bro. Just look me up. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you another time.